Beatitudes, the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and we unpacked um, these beautiful values of what of which Jesus calls us to, um, particularly the values of uh, humility, righteousness, and mercy. Um, and we saw Jesus unpacking this in this beautiful uh, first section on the Sermon on the Mount and Beatitudes about um, what it means to live in humility, which is such. And I really enjoyed the discussion we had at Dealey Church around humility and just that whole concept is just so important to keep thinking about and digging into how we can live humble lives um, and then righteousness and mercy, kind of concepts that aren't necessarily just this kind of big, you know, you need to be moving in power and doing miraculous things. It's like, it's things that seem a little, like they don't seem highly important. Uh, you have to belittle yourself to, to become important in, in God's kingdom. Um, and so it was, it was cool looking at that, those Beatitudes. Um, and so this, this week we're going to continue into the rest of Matthew 5. And we're going to look at the extraordinariness of the Christian life. And how uh, what Jesus calls is an extraordinary thing. And we'll look at three, the three things that there is on the, on the uh, sort of paper there. The... Um, extraordinary exaltation that Jesus has for us. Secondly, the extraordinary intention uh, of which he calls us into and the extraordinary call. Uh, And so, it's going to be good. But first, we're going to read the first passage. First bit to read here. And we're going to read Matthew 5 from verse 13 to 16. And go on, Bella. She's got that. She's ready to go. (laughs) You can read for us. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light the lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. They may see your good deeds. Beautiful. The uh, very well-known passage right here. Just how we are called to be the salt and light of the world. Uh, and um, here on that piece of paper, I've got a quote from John, Jonathan Pennington. Uh, he says that the images of salt and light, complete with warnings and exhortations, are like pushing... A pushing of the young birds out of the nest to fly. It is required because the prospect of injury is quite fear-inducing. Who wants to suffer? Jesus' disciples need to be clearly exhorted and even warned to go forth into the, the world as his heralds, precisely because of the certain prospect of persecution. What he here is saying is, prior to Jesus saying this, he, he, he shares the Beatitudes finishing with there's going to be persecution and suffering. Those who are blessed will experience persecution and suffering. And so then Jesus finishes that section by saying, but you are the salt of the world. That you are the ones that actually bring, bring flavour and taste to this world. That you are the light of the world. You are actually the ones that bring true revelation. The presence of God is with you guys. Yes, it's the, you, you may uh, experience suffering and persecution. Yes, you may go through trials, but there's this exhortation that Jesus t- talks us through. 
It's like um, pushing the birds out of the, the nest. I love that example that, yes, this is going to be difficult. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't always mean you're going to, it's always going to be nice and easy for you. But there's like this exaltation. But you can do it. I believe you can fly. I believe you can flap those wings and fly. I believe. I can touch the sky. Um, it's like this exaltation by Jesus saying, you can do this. You are the salt of the that you guys actually bring flavour. This is what salt is. It's a, a preservative. It, it actually made meat uh, last longer than in our fridges. So they used it as a preservative. It was, it was used for taste. It made actually, you know, as we use salt today, it brings food to life. Those curries would not have tasted the same if I did not add salt. I am a generous salt putter in a... <laughs> I love my salt. Um, Salt, <laughs> salt putter. <laughs> uh, it's salt. Uh, it makes things endure, and it also brings uh, purif- purification. It actually pur- purifies, and so this is what Jesus is tapping into. It's, you are someone who actually brings flavor. You're someone who br- preserves and brings life to this world. You're someone who actually uh, brings this life into existence because of who you are as followers of Jesus. We actually get to bring that. We get to bring the flavor into this world because of who Jesus is in us. This is an amazing thing that this exhortation that he gives for us. You are salt. And then he says you are light, which is such an amazing um, thing because light is is a massive deal in the Old Testament. It's a big deal. the very beginning, God created heaven to earth and he said, let there be light. And light was, was there. Light was created. Light is so important. It, it speaks often of revelation, that when light was come, there was something that was revealed. It speaks of instruction, speaks of the law. The law was often referenced with light, righteousness. God's presence itself is light. Uh, and ultimately, um, it was this, this uh, image of which the Messiah was going to bring to earth, the light of the world, would come and bring redemption to this world, redeeming this world through his light. This is, this is what Jesus says. He's, you guys are this light now. Yes, I've come. Jesus has come so that we may be the light of the world. This is such an amazing exhortation that Jesus is calling us to. It's going to be difficult. It's, you're going to experience hardship, but you bring flavour and you are the light of this world. And he, this, is it. this exhortation is for us. This exhortation is to say, hey, you guys have such value and importance in bringing life. to this. We as Christians are actually called to bring flavour and bring light to this world. We are called to actually make a difference and uh, change What's going on around us? Change things in our family situations. Change things in our friends, in our workplaces, in whatever we're involved with. We as Christians actually call to bring change and life and a beautiful taste as we are the salt and light. And so let's see this extraordinary exaltation Jesus here is trying to show us. Let's see this, the importance of what he is calling us to. He's trying to lift us up and go, come on, you have got this. Yeah. You can be this amazing salt and light. Uh, this kind of whole person life that we are called to live. As, yeah. And so then as we keep reading, and then we kind of need that exaltation because we're about to keep reading, guys. <laughs> 
because it doesn't necessarily get easier for us as we read. Um, and so, uh, let me just read this for us. From verse 17 to 18, and then I'll read as well, 20, verse 20. It says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. There's this rich righteousness that we are called to. See, the, the word there that is, is used is the word law, which we kind of have these connotations with commandments and rules, things that we're meant to follow. But the law was um, had a much more rich meaning. Yes, it meant those things, but it, it was as defined as the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, um, which was uh, primarily a, a story, a story about how God came into the world and uh, committed himself through this covenant with these people and how he uh, has, has determined to, to stand by these people, this story of um, God redeeming his people often, time and time again, where people made mistakes, stuffed it up, God redeemed them. <laughs> And we'll redeem Rufus. He can come in. He's just going to bark at my son. A little rat. And then now he's going to make a big scene. <laughs> we all know it, Rufus. You just want all the attention. Uh, the Torah is um, the revelation of God uh, and uh, the story of this covenant commitment of God and humanity. And so Jesus here is saying that he fulfills the law. Yes. He, it, part of that is the, um, the commands, the, the, the laws of, uh, that we have, you know, Ten Commandments plus over 600 laws that are in the Old Testament. Um, yes, that's a part of it, but a big part of how they saw the law was about relationship, was about this commitment to one another and how Jesus here is actually um, fulfilling that place. He's here to come as this this place of I want to be a part of this story that we're a part of. This story where God actually redeems us and saves us from where we're at and fulfills this part in us. Uh, and then he goes on to talk about the righteousness that we're called to live, a righteousness that exceeds the, the Pharisees, those who, who do everything by the book and tick everything right. We're called to live this righteous kind of life. See, the, the call of Jesus to follow him is not just to live kind of easygoing and just go with the flow and free and just do whatever you want because you've got grace, baby. We're saved by grace. We are loved no matter. No, that's not the call of Jesus. There is a call of Jesus that actually calls us to surrender and lay down what we think we know, surrender and actually go hard at at trying to live right, trying to be the kind of people Jesus is calling us to be because there were people, uh, there were the Pharisees, there were uh, people who... Uh, lived by the rules, but still they treated people poorly. They lived by the rules. They ticked the right boxes in the commandments, but they uh, you know, lived unjust to a lot of people, people who they didn't see right. They lived unjustly to them. 
And so Jesus doesn't want us to treat people like that. He wants us us to be the salt and light. He wants us to bring flavour into this world and not just live by just ticking a box, but actually be so determined to live as he did in loving others and being there for others and being a part of the story of redemption. And so that is the intention that he calls us into. Because often we can think, if I just do what is right get by, we don't actually think about why we're doing it. What's our intent behind why we do it? And so his, he wants to actually change the, the fullness of who we are. Fulfillment in a full mode of interiorization of the law, where the law actually comes into us, into our very beings, that the law is not just something we do, but it becomes into us. That as the Old Testament uh, prophets would say is, is that we had the law written on our hearts. It's written on our hearts. It's not just something that we do because it's our duty, but it becomes inside of us. That's the kind of Christian that Jesus is calling us to be. Not just doing and ticking the right box, but actually letting it become the very people that we are. We take over the wholeness of who we are. Uh, and so that's how what the call of Jesus he calls us on to, into. And then that that chapter continues, and we're not going to go into every little bit, but there's these six uh, points of what Jesus says. He then um, says these statements that you've heard it said, but I say. These six statements of what Jesus says, and we'll read them out. He says, you heard it said, you shall not murder, but I say, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be liable to judgment. I've been angry before. I don't know. Has anyone else <laughs> You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who looks at another man's wife with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You heard it said, anyone who sends his wife away must give her a certificate of divorce. But I say, everyone who divorces his wife except on account of sexual immorality makes her, com- her commit adultery. Ruth, as you heard it said, you shall not eat bones <laughs> and be a rat. But I say, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, the fourth one says, you, you heard it said, you shall not break a vow. But I say, do not make a vow at all, but instead let your word be yes or no. Anything that goes beyond this is from the evil one. You heard it said, an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. But I say, you shall not resist an evildoer. You should not resist an evildoer. But if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek as well. I mean, this is crazy talk, guys. And then the last one to conclude and summarize. You heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be children of your Father in heaven, who shines the sun on both evil and good people, and bring rain to both the righteous and unrighteous. For if you only love the ones who love you, what reward will you have? Do not even tax collectors do that? And if you only love your brothers and sisters, how are you doing, how are you doing more righteousness? Do not even Gentiles do that? Therefore, you shall be whole as your heavenly Father is whole. 
Now we'll talk about that last line a little bit later because I know a lot of your translations will probably say, therefore you shall be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, but we'll get to that. Right here, I mean, those statements, they're, they're scary. <laughs> it's a lot to live up to. Even just the angry, the first one, you're already going, okay, this is... And it goes into more detail as, as you read um, into more of what Jesus is saying. Uh, you can't even call some of the fool. <laughs> um, that there's this richness of what Jesus calls us to is, is um, a high standard of righteousness. There is a high standard of righteousness that he is calling us to. But what he's, he's trying to show us in this, and there's so much uh, rich metaphorical language, so much intensity in what he's saying. He, in, in this passage, he even talks about, you know, if your right eye um, uh, is against you, charges against you, then pluck it out. There's this intense language of plucking out your eye, uh, cutting off your right hand uh, if it does you wrong, if it leads you to sin. There's this intensity in what Jesus here is trying to say to get this point across that, how we live is so important. It's not just, oh, let's do the best we can. Let's just go with the flow. Let's just be, I'm trying, but if I can't do it, then that's okay. How we live is important. And the intention of how we live is important. Because many in those days, and even today, uh, we can see the list of things that we should do. And we go, yes, I'm doing all these things. I'm, I'm nice to others. But... The real intention to actually love others is not there. And this is what he's trying to address. That these rules are there not just to get get us by and tick a box. But the rules are there to show us how we can love people. How we can actually love others. How we can actually go into the depths of challenge, of pain. How we can go the depths of persecution how we can go the depths of someone doing evil to us, how we can go to the depths of of bad things happening to us and actually choose how to love despite that. How when we don't see eye to eye to people, where we choose to love, how we actually get upset and angry at people, where we choose to love. There is so much where Jesus is calling us to this higher standard on how we love others and a standard that I am constantly challenged by, challenged in how I love challenge in how I live. And I think if we ever get comfortable in where we're at, then we haven't been challenged by Jesus enough. Actually let him speak to us in in the intention of our hearts. And so I want us to bring focus to that word intention because I think so so often it's just easy to flow by. You know, we we ask what you've been up to this week and it's just the same, same, same. This is what happens. I say it all the time as well. It's like it's not, not a whole lot new that's happened. And it just, you do the same saying. This is life. And without realizing, you can get in this flow of just living this existence without actually thinking about all right, why am I doing this? How am I actually treating people? How do others see me and think about me? Am I actually showing people the love and kindness and actually stop to let God challenge our intent? challenge why and how we actually do things and live. This is the call that Jesus wants to get into our minds, this extraordinary intention that we're actually intentional about how we live and who we are. 
You feeling encouraged, guys? <laughs> this is why Jesus exhorts us at the beginning. <laughs> because it's tough. It's not, it's not just necessarily easy. But this is the, that, that intent that Jesus is calling us into. And we need to, to see, not just brush over and go, oh, no, no, but there's grace. You know, he's just over-exempt, you know. We just easily brush over and just get into a comfortable place. But let's actually sit in that tension for a little bit sometimes. Because it, where Jesus leads us is always into a place beyond that. It actually empowers us for redemption. Which leads us to the extraordinary call that he leads us into. And so as I said, that last verse in verse 48, most translations it says, um, therefore be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. But this translation and um, just in the commentary that I'm reading, he he translates that word perfect, which is the Greek word teleos. He translates it as whole. And I, I find that actually really helpful because that word perfect has these these bad connotations with us. We just expecting everything we need to be everything perfect. That we when we think of perfectionism, it's like everything needs to be really right. If we get something wrong, that's not perfect. That, you know, that's kind of the definition of perfect for us. If something's wrong, it's not perfect. So how can we be perfect if something goes wrong? We're not perfect. No? <laughs> so this is why the that translation I think it is difficult because uh, what the, the essence of what he's trying to do is to actually get the wholeness of who we are. So that word whole, that what this translation is, therefore you shall be whole as your heavenly father is whole. Uh, what God is after, he's not after moral perfection, perfectionist, but what he wants is wholehearted orientation towards God. Wholehearted orientation towards God. That with our wholeness of who we are, we, we, t- we give all that we are to orientate ourselves towards God and towards what He has for us, towards His life. We actually orientate what our lives are towards Him wholeheartedly. And we, we get what this means. when We, we, we say this so often um, on the, in sports, in academia, uh, academia uh, in um, uh, yeah, in so many areas of life, we go, give it all that you've got. You know, in business, uh, in just life, we go, like, give it all that you got. As long as you give it all that you got, then that's okay. As long as you give it your best shot, you know, just, oh, you know, give it all you got. And so we understand this heartness of like, just get giving it all that you've got. And when you give it all to you've got to a, a, a assignment or... Um, a game, a, a sports game, or uh, to your business, you give it all to your God or to your family or uh, to a relationship. You just put all yourself into it. You put all this effort. You're thinking about it. You're thinking, how can I do better at this? How can I train to, to work on this? How can I actually give everything and try all I've got to be the best at this thing that I can? We understand this concept from a, a physical point of view, but so often we actually miss the points when it comes to our relationship with God. We say, yeah, give it all you got to all these things in life, to, to going after your career. You, you have to push all you got to be successful. But then when it comes to, to God, we're like, well, well, just give what you can. Give what you can, because, you know, you, we're busy. We've got a lot going on. So give all you got to your life, but just give what you can to God. 
But what God calls us to is to be whole as your heavenly Father is whole. That our wholehearted orientation. And this doesn't mean life isn't crazy. I understand. I mean, we need to be realistic about our lives sometimes. I'm going through the stage at the moment where I'm like, I need to be realistic about what I can do. But that doesn't put me off the hook and go, you can just go casual and go easy. That doesn't mean that I can't give it my all. It means that, yes, I need to be realistic and, and aware of my life situations, but I will still try and give it all that I can. Because I don't just want to give God what I, what, you know, whatever's left over. But I will actually want my heart to, to have this wholehearted orientation. Going, God, how can I actually be a follower of Jesus? Seriously. How can what tomorrow looks like, how can that actually look like what a follower of Jesus looks like? How can how I love people look like what a follower of Jesus looks like? How can how I spend my mornings look like how a follower of Jesus would? And actually be consumed and even like Michaela as she's memorising the scripture it's it's in her mind more often letting what the word of God and what the, the spirit of God wants to do, letting that come into our minds and impact how we live that it's it's not just about what's happening on the outside but God actually wants to do something inside our hearts and change us to give all that we got and I, I get I get the fact that busyness and distraction in our world today is real like it's very real i experience it myself the the allure of busyness and distraction from taking us from what is really important and i think sometimes we need to call that out and say i don't want to let those things determine my relationship with god I don't want to let those things determine how I will live. I don't want to let those things determine whether I can give all that I got to following Jesus. Because, yeah, I heard from, there was a song lyric that was saying that um, when we think about grace, grace, that, that complete love, that amazing gift that he's given us, that redemption and forgiveness, that gift of grace, this grace is an invitation to be beautiful. It's not an invitation to just relax and do nothing. But his grace is an invitation to be beautiful. Our part to play in what God is calling us to live in this righteousness, this call, is to let our wholeness be oriented, oriented towards God. And to let his grace create something beautiful in us. To not just be consumed with who we are, but let his grace create something beautiful in us. And I love that. It's an invitation to be beautiful. And not that I want to be beautiful in the sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I do get <laughs> bows in my hair from time to time. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I want to live a life that actually gives glory to God. I want to live a life that means that I'm bringing salt and light to this world. I want to live a life where others will experience the glory of God and glorify our Father in Heaven through what I bring. I want to shine that example. 
And so that's, that's uh, exciting <laughs> and all scary all at the same time. And so I, I think we just need to continue to take it seriously. Take seriously what it means to, uh, to learn about God. Whether we need to get into the Word at another level this week. Whether you want to memorize the Beatitudes, a great thing. Another thing I heard um, is uh, do Bible before breakfast. Just a cool little statement of actually getting the Word in our days before you start anything else, before you pick up your phone. Bible before breakfast. Get the Word of God in you. Where we need to take getting that the Word of God into us seriously. Where we're learning about God. Where we're thinking about um, getting into an ID group to dig deeper into our discipleship. Where we let take seriously learning about God. That we need to take seriously prayer and its power and importance in our world. Where His presence can come to us. Where we stop and actually go, God, I need you. His presence comes. Yeah. I mean, not all the time. It doesn't always just feel like this, oh, boom, shakalaka moment. <laughs> but it's, I often just get this sense of peace. It's, it's going to be okay. And then you, it's beautiful what God does. Yeah. We actually make time and space for Him. Um, initiate habits of prayer. And uh, in our devotion, uh, I'll send out a few devotions this week through email. If you're not on our emails, if you haven't been getting them, feel free to um, let me know and Make sure you get them. Um, but the first one tomorrow is about a listening prayer, about kind of having a moment to actually ask God some questions and to let Him speak. To just try some new things about how we can tap into prayer. Um, and then we also just need to take call, uh, seriously the call of God, the call to be the salt and light in this earth, the call to actually be a part of this church community and a part, a part of our community believing that what God has put in you and me is significant and important and valuable. And so let's, let's do that. Let's take seriously what it means to learn and dig into God. Take seriously our prayer moments. And we, we also do a, a Wednesday morning prayer every Wednesday, uh, 6.30, if anyone's keen for the early morning 6.30. We're, this week we're going to do it at High Park because we don't have the town hall because they've got early voting ballot, <laughs> uh, which we discovered last week. <laughs> um, so we're going to be at High Park, 6.30, and then we'll go to... Did we decide Chew? Chew. Yeah, we'll go to Chew afterwards. So we always do a cafe afterwards if anyone's keen. 6.30 to 7.30, cafe, beautiful times. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that's what we do. Uh, but feel free to join. Um, yeah, but let's do it. Let's do this. Let's live this grace and let it be an invitation to be beautiful. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So I think sometimes, though, uh, that feeling like we need to do things and do it right, it can be a bit overwhelming. And I never want us to feel like it's, this is just found in, in our strength to do this muster up the strength to do it I hate it when I come to the place where I feel I've realised I've just been trying to do this all in my own ability I believe God wants to empower us and strengthen us and pour out his spirit uh, and the best way I know how to do that is to worship and so we're just going to finish off with a song that we're going to sing um, yeah which is the words are on on your um why is there
Uh, and it's a beautiful lamenty song. It's a song kind of realizing that things aren't always going to go right. That sometimes God just comes through, but we he is faithful. That we can trust him. That we can rely upon him. And that we can call out to him. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to sing this. Thanks, Michael.
extraordinary life that you give to us. That you exhort us and say, you are the salt, you are the light of the world. And so God, we just grab hold of you tonight. We want to live that call out. We want to be that for this world. We want to glorify you with all that we can, God. We want to be those people who bring that salt and flavor to this world. We want to be those people who bring light and love to this world. And so, God, I pray that you would empower us tonight. Pour out your spirit upon us. Pour out all that you are, Jesus. We need you. We don't want to just do this in our own ability. Intellect, God, where we get overwhelmed by life's challenges, I pray that you would remind us of your call to just come and rest. God, where we encounter laziness, where we got caught up being too comfortable, God, I pray that we would encounter that faith again, faith to see that you are with us. God, in whatever season we are going through, whatever life's challenges look like for us at the moment. I thank you. You are with us. Your great commission is to go into the world and make disciples. But you dovetail that by saying that you will be with us always. And so Jesus, we just thank you that you're with us. That you're for us. Spirit goes before us, guiding us, strengthening. We just rest in that. We rest in who you are.